Welcome to the Banega Swastindya podcast. Our focus this season is one health, one planet, one future. Our aim is health for all and leaving no one behind because Swast Bharat is Sampan Bharat. Often when we see persons with disabilities, we pity them and we feel sorry for them. But what they really need is empathy, care and support. to help them grow and achieve success in life the idea is to leave no one behind and reduce the inequalities that leave people behind and undermine the potential of individuals and of humanity as a whole amambika sankama this february as we celebrate the inclusive love that makes us human we speak to india's first female disabled stand up comedian nidhi goel Nidhi uses humor to challenge prevailing notions about disability and gender. First thing what I want to ask you of course we are going to be talking about how important love is especially when we take care of persons with disability but you know you wanted to be a portrait painter and today you're making so many people laugh and you feel so much joy in their lives how did comedy happen to you Hi Ambika thank you so much for having me here um it's really interesting because when you say how did comedy happen to me it everything connects back to my disability right mm-hmm. uh when i was diagnosed and i started losing my sight at the age of 15 yes. i knew just one thing that i couldn't be a portrait painter or a fine or a fine artist anymore right mm-hmm. for me the question was what do i do next and this was a very big question because i was preparing for this kind of dream uh since i was 4 and i remember sitting across my spiritual guru waiting for his guidance and he telling me that um don't worry you know you are really fixating on the problem you need to start looking around you and looking at the privileges that you have looking at what kind of support you exists for you and seeing the gaps and looking at other people with disabilities you know and i started doing that and i thought yes there is something that i need to do i need to work with and for other people with disabilities who are not as privileged who don't have the kind of family support that i have yes. who don't have the kind of language and other privilege access and the caste class access that i uh, privilege that i have and so on and so forth and that's how um i became an activist after being a media professional um a journalist i moved into activism and once i moved into activism of course i was working and writing and campaigning and protesting maybe not so much but trying to bring that change advocating running uh, awareness uh, uh, pieces and so on but i thought comedy mm. that comes out of my own life experiences yes. like living as a woman with a disability really makes people laugh and cringe maybe at the same time it helps them reflect in a non threatening way um on what this change needs to be for persons with disabilities how did you really diagnose that you're losing sight um at the age of 15 like you told us and also what were the challenges associated yes you were blessed and i think you look at you looked at it positively by looking at the better things like you know whether it was the support but if i can just go back quickly like how was it diagnosed and what were the challenges that you faced so it was just i mean it was a routine eye check up and it was diagnosed then but i also think that um we don't have an ecosystem to support diagnosis like that right we don't have um doctors maybe are not that sensitized or do not have the information to tell folks where to go after this right yeah. in my case again you know 
as 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 dark humor as it may sound, I was still privileged because out of us three siblings, uh, we three siblings, my eldest sibling is my brother, and he also lives with the same condition. So for me, community was at home. For me. Yeah. My parents had already explored how to support a child who is going blind, right? But for other parents, this kind of support doesn't exist. And I think, uh, or this kind of information is not so easily or was not so easily mm-hmm. available. And I think that's the gap and that's the biggest challenge that you start from. Yeah. The second biggest challenge is that you've not seen enough people with disabilities around you. Yeah. Again, I had seen someone, but not everyone sees enough of people with disabilities mm-hmm. around you. You don't know what they look like, what they can do, what they're capable of, if life with a disability can be lived and can be lived happily. Yeah, um, do, you, do you read fairy tales which have like happily ever after for disabled characters? No. Do you have cinema which has like fun stories where protagonists are disabled? No. Do you have advertising looking at disabled people as their primary customers or even including them in their customer base no you don't have these scripts and narratives and I think that becomes a very real challenge which is not recognized of course then the challenges of inaccessible infrastructure insensitive educational or non-supportive educational institutions mm-hmm. um, you know your peers sometimes being insensitive and so on and so forth so I, I, I face the range of uh, challenges and struggles but I also on the way met very, very, very many lovely people. So I can dive into more struggles, but yes, it was an initial period. The main thing was that from week to week, Ambika, mm-hmm. for me, what, 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 and I'll tell you how it, it changed over the years, right? Then every week when my eyesight deteriorated, one day I could cross the street, the next week, maybe I just got saved um, by a millimeter because I didn't see the speeding bike, right? Mm-hmm. So it was not just, a bad feeling feeling when people say, oh, you must have emotionally struggled a lot. No, you physically struggle a lot. You know, you realize in the last one month, you could have met with an accident thrice. Uh, But that wasn't the case the month before. And so grappling with every new stage of loss is a constant process. That's another, yes, for sure. But also then as a teenager, what I framed it as was that now this is something that I cannot do. And as I matured, as I sort of learned what disability means, how I I understood how society and disability need to interact and negotiate, I realized that I could, you know, I discovered every week what I couldn't see, not what I couldn't do. And I think equating the two is a part of ableism that we carry in society. Absolutely. I think you put that so well. Of course, like you said, infrastructure, whether it's sensitive, you know, sensitization, inclusion is something... uh, you know, Nidhi, which I think when we talk about whether it's the UN Sustainable Goals, whether we talk about leaving no one behind, inclusion is key, you know, um, and love plays a very important role here. Like, even, like I said, people need support, empathy, like you also said that, you know, you need to give the person a chance to move on and succeed in life and not think that, oh, they cannot do it because there's no they and us, right? It's all one. So you've been uh, fortunate, like you said, that uh, your family support was there. What are your thoughts on when it comes to love and uh, an inclusion, the connection here, especially for people living with disability? Um, I think with people with disabilities, we're really hard on them, right? Like we're really, we were uh, many years ago, very hard on women. At every stage, we want them to prove themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember having this conversation where I said, you know, who is independent? They say, oh, disabled people are not independent. Hence, they should not be here. They are not, quote, unquote, normal like us. Mm. And so we don't think they deserve this. We don't think they deserve any kind of acceptance, love, and so on and so forth. Who's independent? 
Yeah. Where does the food that you eat come from? Are you going and cultivating that? Are you producing the gas where you cook it on? Are you manufacturing the stove? We're all interdependent in many ways. Just by providing the money doesn't mean that you wouldn't have survived if people weren't there to put those factories and make the stove, right? Yeah. I'm just saying that we all claim to be independent in many ways, but we're not. And we never reflect on it because that's quote unquote normal interdependence. Yes. We've even made independence and interdependence normal and not normal, right? Absolutely. And I think that's the bigger problem that when we say love, um, first of all, we have a very, 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 like a very narrow definition of love. Immediately hearts and balloons and Valentine's Day crops up in people's yeah. mind. Um, but when you say love, I think access, mm. thinking of access is love right yeah. not discriminating when a disabled student comes to class you either make them into a hero or a zero um people don't even want to interact with them mm-hmm. that's you know part of not loving someone right um saying this is for normal people right from right from your everyday yeah. grocery apps to dating apps when you say oh this is not accessible for people with disabilities but this is not really for them mm-hmm. right you're you discriminating are yeah, you're deciding for them, mm-hmm. taking decisions on someone's part, not giving them autonomy, not giving them the right to be adults, infantilizing people with disabilities. So the, these basic rights that we all take for granted, this basic entitlements that yeah. we all take for granted is a part of love. Um, and I think that's what we need to do. I, I, I think it's a very big misconception that we say that oh people with disabilities need extra help no they just need support yeah you would need support a certain way and I would need support in a certain other way mm-hmm. and so just not um, restricting the buckets is what love is about actually I mean yeah I mean discrimination like you said whether it's accessibility whether it's it's actually just the support that one needs you know and we all need support in some form or the other it's just that I mean you've really put that well and Yes, love is really not about just romance and hearts and balloons. It's a lot more to it, whether it's empathy, care, support. Nidhi, when I, you know, when again, you've been making, you spread so much joy in other people's life, obviously because of comedy. How do people, when you do these shows, how do people react to a person performing? You know, when they're uh, as a, I mean, they say, okay, the person is disabled, but how do they react to a person performing uh, comedy or making them laugh when they are disabled? Any incident you would like to share with us? This is a problem, right? When we frame it as performing comedy when they are disabled, right? The first thing is people get very uncomfortable because disabled people are supposed to be depressed. Mm -hmm. The quote unquote idea is that if you're disabled and you remember the image that the first image as children that we see is this very, very sad looking blind man standing at the corner of the street and you're supposed to help him. It's your duty. It's your moral duty, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's the image that we hold of disabled people. The minute a disabled person is cheerful, forget about on stage performing comedy. When I go and smile, people are like, oh, you're so inspiring. And I want to say, what's so inspiring? I'm smiling, you're smiling. I don't think you're inspiring for smiling. Why do you think I'm inspiring for smiling? Because it comes from a prejudice that because I'm disabled, I need to be buried under layers and loads of like struggles and problems and issues. And why can I then enjoy life? I need to barely survive. And these are all very ingrained, right? These are all very, very ingrained. Um, and so when you're on the stage, um, you're making people uncomfortable on multiple levels. One that they're like, oh my God, this person will make us laugh. Their life must be so tragic. Yeah. 
second is there's a woman who's trying to say and then there's a disabled person who's on the stage and then everybody's so awkward and then they are cracking jokes on their disability experiences i mean should we laugh should we feel sorry for them mm. i remember i mean on stage i've seen weird reactions but i remember on a dating app i was sharing my uh, comedy link you know that was generally my introduction to my disability that i send <laughs> my comedy to men they got intimidated on multiple levels because they were like oh my god should we like talk to a woman who's a comedian at all um then she's a feminist and then you know there's also this um piece yeah. and somebody responded saying it's so beautiful to see how people cope with their grief in different ways and i said why would you assume that why would you think i have grief mm. like i understand i understand your disability and i understand the grief it must be bringing you yeah and i think that narrative really needs to shift um unless that shifts we are going to have this us and them we're going to have a false sense of superiority and we are going to then end up taking decisions um shunning the voices not giving space and choices to people with disabilities yeah i think the us and them definitely needs to move away and like you said i mean you of course are breaking barriers whether it's uh, uh, like you said rightly i mean person with disability performing comedy as well as a woman so you are definitely breaking all those barriers um, you know nidhi and you know congratulations and hats off and like you rightly said you know this whole mindset needs to change that a person living with disability or assuming or you know taking decisions for them that shift definitely needs to be brought in and nidhi i would also like you know uh, want to ask you about the foundation uh, which uh, you know you are a founder and executive director of non of uh, rising flame which you know which works for recognition protection and promotion of human rights of persons with disabilities yes so tell us about this organization nidhi um it's really a commitment for me right more than an organization i mean on paper and compliance it's an organization but for me it's that commitment that oath that i took in front of my spiritual guru that i will work for the community i will recognize my privilege i will um be uh, you know focused and committed to building this bridge between disabled and non disabled bringing about social integration and i think that's the translation of that commitment that a teenager losing their sight and knowing that they were not losing a vision but just the sight um so this is realization of that commitment and really looking at the community so i've been over a decade i've been working as an activist as uh in the development sector and i really would see that we are working for and with people with disabilities right mm-hmm. the focus of course is access maybe education employment because somewhere we're still okay accepting people with disabilities that okay it's okay they can study somehow they should maybe if they can earn it is great when i entered activism i was working on sexual and reproductive health of women with disabilities right with a women's rights organization and i remember people were like are you joking why do you need this why do women with disabilities need reproductive health pieces like are you trying to say they'll like be mothers are you trying to say they'll have partners are you trying to say they'll get married oh my god what are you doing to society right these are the kinds of reactions that overtly and covertly people gave to me yeah on that piece i saw slowly that people with disabilities were allowed to exist and we were struggling even for that right the disabled community was fighting for years and decades even just for that yeah and for me that's not enough if we have the skill if we level the playing field if we provide those opportunities and create an enabling environment why can't people with disabilities have a voice have a choice and lead from the front 
And for that rising plane came into existence. We work, yes, for rights of persons with disabilities, and we focus tremendously on women and youth with disabilities. Um, Particularly from this space, right? Everywhere else you'll say women in leadership. Let's talk about this. But in any conversation of women and leadership, you will not see women with disabilities featured. We'll say women and safety, let's prioritize that. Women and health, let's prioritize. Where are women with disabilities in this whole conversation? Youth are our demographic dividend, but youth with disabilities don't have access to schooling, are denied denied interviews because they are disabled. Disabled, You know, they're shortlisted for their skill, but they're denied everything else. So that, yes, that change. And that's what you're working. Also, you know, you have a campaign, My Tale too. The foundation is running. Tell us about that. Um, You know, I mean, what is the aim and what is like what is the main thought behind the campaign right so rising flame has many flagship programs right like we have a leadership we have a national level leadership program which is the first of its kind in the country we have a rural leadership program we have a youth program and one of the programs actually it started off as a campaign and later years we mm-hmm. moved it into a project was my tale too and if you remember in the uh, one of the early examples, I was saying that when you're growing up as a disabled person, it's really isolating yes. because where are the people, where are the representatives, where are the stories, where are, where are the narratives, where are the scripts? And that's what we wanted to change in my tale too. We wanted to come together and we brought women with disabilities. And when I say disabilities, really across disabilities, right? Mm-hmm. So there are blind women in that group. Um, there was someone who was hard of hearing. There was someone who was deaf but could speak. Um, there were people who were, uh, women who were on the autism spectrum. So autistic women and so on and so forth, right? Queer women and so on. Mm-hmm. And they all came together and we uh, conducted this training and, and now are soon to be publishing uh, a collection of stories Wonderful. where women with disabilities have rewritten fairy tales. So we have a deaf Snow White. We have an autistic ugly duckling. Um, yeah, just we have a, we have a hard of hearing Rapunzel. And, and, and many, many beautiful stories. What do these Looking do? forward to that one. So thank you, Amrika. What do these do? They bring you into the world of disability. Hmm. Because often we don't know, you know, we see disabled people as these very inspiring memes. So we're like, wow, they're amazing, yeah? Hmm. But we don't know how do they walk, talk, live, negotiate life. What happens? What are the discriminations? Hmm. Um, what is this everyday experience, right? Um, and, and, and I think when people ask me about discrimination, so basic, sorry, basically this collection highlights or this collection when it's published soon will highlight everyday experiences of women with disabilities in a fairy tale, right? In those stories, which we grew up listening, reading and aspiring for. And I think that was very important for us to bridge this divide and say yeah. we also exist, hear our experiences and also to give that hope saying, hey, happily yeah. ever after is not just for you, you know. It's Absolutely. I think bridging the divide, what you rightly said, Nidhi, I mean, that's where an inclusion really starts from. Yeah. Uh, Nidhi, just the last question before I'm going to ask you, you know, uh, you really work with organizations. We can see, you know, how compassionate you're about, you know, working, whether it's women with disabilities or, you know. So tell us, you've also been uh, with um, the Global Advisor to the UN Women's Executive Director. And after all this work, where, according to you, are we really lacking in creating an equal society? We've understood the challenges. You've really put it well that we need to bridge this gap. But when we talk about uh, creating an equal society, where are we lacking and what needs to be done? Can I say everywhere? (laughs) Will that be too disheartening? (laughs) To be honest. I mean, 
We are improving, but I think the lack is so much. Uh, and unfortunately, we don't see the lack in society. We see the lack in persons with disabilities, right? Our focus is the lack in them rather than the lack in uh, like society in general. So I'm really glad you asked that question and thank you for that. Um, I feel like we need to really look at um, mindsets. If you ask me one thing, mm-hmm. I think the mindsets need to change. And why mindsets are so important for me, right? Um, you step out. Who do you interact with? People. Mm-hmm. Who, may, who infantilize you? People. Who is, um, you know, either worshipping you or treating you as um, a depressed, uh, an unworthy individual? People. Yeah. Okay. You can argue saying, but if laws are made and implementation of the laws are done, we'll still have our rights. There are quite a few progressive laws. They're sitting in the books. Yeah. Does the implementation and enforcement people. Mm. And I think everywhere from your everyday interaction of your security guard in your apartment, the person on the street, the shopkeeper that you go to, um, the taxi driver, the auto driver, uh, to, to everyone, to your bosses, to your teams, to your teachers, to your peers, all around there are people. And unless mindset, mm. unless this change happens, nothing will happen. And I think I'm, I want to circle back to what I said. You know, when someone can't see, someone mm. can't walk, it doesn't mean they cannot do. And I think that's the ableist mindset that we really need to change. We can do things. We do things in a different way. We relearn how to do things. And we also have to call it different because we think something is a normal way to do. If I put you in a room full of blind people, you may be the exception and they may sit and say, hey, <laughs> you're doing it differently. Yeah. And so what's the norm? Challenging that. Who are we calling normal? Challenging that. Yeah. And really shifting mindsets from this whole idea of independence to interdependence, mm-hmm. from help and charity to support and empowerment would be extremely important in bringing a social change. I think you've really put that well. I think it's all about empowering, whether it's discrimination. I mean, really, it is the mindset because even if you have accessibility, but if you're not accept, you know, the, if the mind is not changing, if you're not, if that shift is not brought about, again, we go back, we zero back to where we where it all started. And I guess it is improving. And I think you were really honest that a lot needs to be changed. I mean, everything like you rightly said. <laughs> you know, thank you so much for speaking with us. I think the points which you brought out, I think they're very, very critical. And this whole month, we, you know, I have met people again, I don't want to use because you said, it's not about them inspiring, but the way, uh, you know, like the way they do things is just different. It's, you know, they may be thinking the way others do things is different, but it's actually about inclusion. It's about empowering them, supporting them. So uh, thank you so much, Nidhi. But just before you go, would you like to, uh, you know, uh, share something with us? Any sort of a small, um, I mean, I wouldn't say an act of comedy, but anything you would like to share, which will make, uh, because it has been a really um, hard to heart conversation. And I think the points which you put out are there are very hard. So anything to, I think, you know, just lighten it. Um, I'm trying hard. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I, I don't know if I can really crack a joke here, but I just want to say that um, it's not really difficult, right? We make it a really, we make it really something that's so like tensed and so, oh my God, like what do we do with these people, right? I yeah, think we yeah. all need to relax. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing is just breathe and be like, oh, there's someone coming in. And it, it's really, you know, sometimes when you get tense, the situation gets funny for us. For example, if I'm trying to 
cross a passage, um, you know, if people are in the passage, they want to give me way. But instead of saying that, hi, would you like to go here from the left? Um, they would just silently plaster themselves to the wall. And I want to give people way. So I'm trying to search the wall. And in that whole trying to be helpful to each other, because you don't communicate, and you're worried about communicating, and you want to stay away from this disabled person, you end up getting hit by my cane. Yeah. And this is how, uh, you know, it starts getting complicated. Uh, mm-hmm. This is how it starts getting confusing. And really, coming out to people and saying, oh, you're so beautiful, you're still disabled, is not an icebreaker. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, true. I think breaking that awkwardness is also important. Nidhi, thank you so much. It was wonderful speaking with you. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Thank you, Ambika. It was a pleasure. That's it on the Banega Swastindia podcast this week. If you have comments, queries, or suggestions on the topic we discussed today or issues, you would like us to cover in future to write to us on BSI podcast at the rate ndtv.com. Remember BSI stands for Banega Swast India. You can also connect with us on Banega Swast India handles on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and continue the conversation through the week. Till next week, this is Ambika Singh Kama signing off. Stay healthy, stay safe.